the question I had, how's everybody doing? It's good to be here, isn't it? Good to be at Willow Bend Church. You know, I've been asked to, uh, as we enter these final stages of the interim uh, program and get started on seriously looking for that right person to lead this church, I was asked to talk a little bit about what makes Willow Bend unique. And we were, I was looking through the uh, information from the surveys that we took from everybody here. And let me just kind of read through these things a little bit, and we're going to talk about them. And I mean dialogue, not monologue, okay? Is that fair? It's an open church. It's, gray, it's a grace-based community. So what does grace-based community look like? What does it actually look like? Does it mean that we will love people where they are, Right? They come in, we'll love them the way they are, but we'll lo- we love them too much to leave them there, don't we? We want, we want to preach the gospel every Sunday. We want people to have an opportunity to know that Jesus Christ is alive in this body, that we are unique. We don't talk a lot about social things, do we? We talk about the importance, the things that are eternally important in the life of this church, in the life of this world. Because without our relationship with him, we've got nothing. We've got nothing, nothing at all. So as we we speak, our goal is to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, isn't it? And once we get them there, we don't leave them there. We walk alongside of them. We have what we call life enrichment, and that's where we go a little deeper, where people can go in there and they can hear how to live on a daily basis, how they can learn to abide in the love of Jesus Christ, how they can learn how to love one another, even those that aren't very lovable. But that's what we're all about. And then we have this thing called CR, and I know you all knew that it was going to come to this a little bit. But I'm telling you, the church is like a hospital. Sick people come here. We're all sick because we live in a broken world. Celebrate Recovery is kind of like uh, triage. Because we can work with people on individual basis, small groups, helping them to understand whatever it is that they're struggling with, they're not alone. There's hope. I don't have to live in my, in, in my uh, addiction by myself. Guys that come to CR are looking for a way. Nobody comes to CR because they're feeling really good. I'll, I'll, just trust me on that. I sure wouldn't have come if, if I was feeling good. But I needed help, and I was desperate, and I was looking up to see bottom, and I didn't know what to do. So I showed up one night. And it forever changed my life because I understood that I wasn't alone in my struggle. And many of us have believed most of our life, if not all of our life, that we were absolutely alone in our struggle. And yet I can come to a place like Willow Bend Church, and they love me for who I am. And you know something? God loves me for who I am. So we are examples 
of that love. Could I ask you a question? Share the rod and spoil the child. Ever heard that before? My mother used to tell me that all the time. And my dad, when he was getting the stick out, all the time, spare the rod and spoil the child. Well, we were a good Christian family. You know something? That's not in the Bible. There's nowhere in Scripture where it says, spare the rod and spoil the child. How about, how about this one? God helps those who help themselves. Anybody hear that one? Both of those things kind of make sense, don't they? There's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? But, you know, we can take that, we can take grace, what we're talking about today. We can take that grace, and there are truths in that grace. And then there are the real truths that get overlooked because it's all about the one thing. Let me give you an example. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.12. Everything is permissible, Right? Because we're free in Christ. That's the culture of the Corinthian church. Paul says, but not everything is helpful or edifying. So, yeah, we're free to do whatever we want, right? But Paul says, we got to live a life that glorifies God. We have that hope in Jesus Christ. So that... And then, then it goes on to say, you know, we have, everything is permissible. But then he goes on to say, but I will not be brought under the control of anything. That's what Paul says about that. Yes, I can do this, but I won't do this. And so many of us believe that as long as we have done this one thing, we don't have to ever live the way God wants us to live. You know something? God plants a seed in us when, when we accept him, doesn't he? And that, that is a mustard seed of faith. And we begin to grow in that. And sometimes we're slow learners. The previous pastor here used to gloat when he told me you were a slow learner. It took you 46 years to learn what God had to tell you. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm still learning. And I'm going to continue to learn until I die. And so we're going to talk about grace a little bit. Definition of grace. Unmerited favor. Does that make sense? Does that make you feel good? Makes me feel good. Because I don't deserve what I get. And I am so thankful that I don't get what I deserve. And we should all think of that. 2 Corinthians 2.19 But he said to me, My grace is enough for you. When you are weak, my power is made perfect in you. So I am very happy to brag about my weakness. Then Christ's power can live in me. For this reason, I am happy when I have weakness, insults, hard times, sufferings, and all kinds of struggles for Christ. Because when I am weak, then I am truly strong. That's a huge verse. I remember one, one morning I was doing my quiet time. And as I was reading and praying... These terrible thoughts start going through my mind. Negative thoughts and you know, all the stuff, those old tapes that were in the head, they keep going back and forth. And I just remember calling out, God, just bless me. Take this stuff away. I just want to be blessed. 
And as clearly as I'm talking to you, that scripture came to me. Daryl, your struggle is your blessing. Because in your weakness, I made strong. And that my grace is sufficient. And you know something? I was, I actually felt pretty good about that because it, it took a lot of uh, stress off me. But you know, one other thing he says, said to me that uh, didn't make me feel too happy. He says, sometimes, Daryl, you get fully yourself, and I want you to know that you can't beat this on your own. You need me. Don't try to beat it on your own because you're only going to fail. Okay, so I did that. Or I'm doing that. I will continue to do that. If anybody in here has been to Celebrate Recovery, they know that people love to use acrostics. Because in a way, it helps us to remember what we do. Well, we're going to look at the acrostic of grace. The G stands for God's gift. Don't ever believe that there's anything that you can do to deserve God's salvation. There's nothing that we can do. In fact, it can't be bought, it can't be given, or it can only be given freely by God. We're looking, let's look at uh, Romans 3.24. All need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift. They, know, they need be made free from sin through Jesus Christ. That's God's gift. What is a gift? Gift is something that we don't deserve, right? You know, I, I often talk about, you know, gift, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death. Well, wages are something we earn, right? And a gift is something we're just given. Because the giver loves us. So... We're looking at that. Uh, in 1 Peter 1.13, or excuse me, 1 Peter 1.13, yes. Prepare your minds for service and have self-control. All your hope should be for the gifts of grace. It will be yours when Christ is shown to you. Grace, grace, grace. Willow Bend, Church of Grace. If my relationship with God was dependent on being perfect, I'd have trouble relating to most of you guys. And I'd have trouble relating to anybody. And you know something? So would you. It's got nothing to do with us. If, I was, if it was based on something that I had to do, I would have to continue. Okay, am I doing this right? Am I doing this? Oops, I did this wrong. And, and, we're, you know, and we keep going back and forth and back and forth. And how do we receive God's gift of grace? That's where the R comes in. We receive it. It's received by our own faith. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, But it was by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Not by works so that one can boast. You know, as I talk to people 
in various ways of life. A lot of people have different struggles. We all have struggles because we live in a broken world, so I'm not even going to go there. But one of the biggest problems people have is pride. They never admit it. But it's, well, I'm, you know, I think this is a better idea. I mean, I like what God is doing here, but I don't need to waste my, he does, I don't need to waste his time with, that's, that's pride. Because God wants a relationship with every part of us, doesn't he? He wants to know us intimately. He, he, he loves us passionately. Where am I received? Uh, no matter how hard we work, we can't earn our way to heaven. And a story. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We talked about that. Let's, let's see uh, in uh, Philippians 3, 9. No longer counting on being saved by being good enough or by obeying God's laws, but by trusting God to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith, counting on Christ alone. These verses are telling us pretty clearly that there really is no other way. We can try to earn our salvation, we'll go to hell. We'll, we'll try to, you know, if we sing in the choir or the worship team, if, whatever that, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't get us into heaven. Giving 20%, 30% every week does not get you into heaven. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and it comes one way. And that one way is through God's grave, grace and us accepting it. You and I tend to be more interested in what we do, and God is more interested in what we are. Let that one sink in a little bit. Romans 5.2. Through whom we have gained access by faith into his, this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What comes with grace? We always have hope, don't we? We have something to look forward to. doesn't matter. The other thing we have is joy. You know, when I lost my grandson, that was a very difficult time. That was my first, first grandson. And when he died, it was, it was very difficult. But even in that, I had joy because I knew that I would see him. I even had visions of my, my own father holding my grandson and bouncing him on his knee in heaven. But I have joy, I have hope, I have peace because of the grace of God. I don't have peace based on me. I don't have peace based on what I do, what I say, what I think. It's all based on God's grace. Just a word of warning, though. And this is important. Our, our talk needs to match our walk. We need, we need to... You know, if we say we're going to do something, we need to do it. Because people are going to be more interested in what you have to say when they're comfortable with what you do. If they know that, they lo- if they know that we love them, they're more apt to listen to us. 
But I guarantee you they're going to follow they're going to they're going to follow our example before they follow our advice. Just rest on that. Another thing There are all of us all of us have moments, don't we? Where we struggle. There are times when things erupt in us, and we might say, where does that come from? We need to guard our hearts, because I will tell you, what's in our heart is what comes out of our mouth. And if what comes out of our mouth is anger, if what comes out of our mouth is criticalness, if it comes out of our mouth lying or whatever that is, our heart, we need to deal with that heart issue. It doesn't mean that, uh-oh, you said the bad word and you're going to hell. I'm not saying that. But if we want to be effective ministers of God's word, we need to walk the talk. The A is accepted by God's love. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love uh, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He didn't wait and say, I'll die for you when you're ready. No, he died for all of us. None of us knew who he was. Long before we were born, he died for us. And he died for our kids and our grandkids and their grandkids. Once and for all. We can, in turn, love others because God first loved us. We can also forgive others because God first forgave us. Do we really believe that? Do we truly believe? You know, what is it, you know, when we talk about the greatest commandment, what's the greatest commandment? Why does he say that? Why, why is that so important? How do we love others if we don't love ourselves? Take that a step farther. He talks about forgiveness. How do we forgive others if we can't forgive ourselves? At best, we can give lip service to it. But we have to believe in what we're doing. We have to, we have to be the ones that love others even though they're unlovable. And we have to forgive even though we don't want to. Those are choices that we make. And it's choices that God wants us to make. Uh, Ephesians 2.5 Though we were spiritually dead because of the things we did against God, he gave us new life with Christ. You have been saved by God's grace. I don't know about you, but I don't deserve God's grace. But the good news is he accepted me in spite of myself. Hebrews 4.16 tells us, let us then feel very sure that we came before God's throne where there is grace. There we can receive mercy and grace to help us in our need. And, and the sea in, in grace is Christ. Let us move to that place. Jesus died on the cross so that all our sins, 
all our wrongs are forgiven. He paid the price, sacrificed himself for all of you and me so that we may be alive forever. That's what he did for us. Did he say, I'm going to do this for you as long as you do this, thus, and so? Or did he say, come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest? He doesn't put caveats. He, when we ask him for wisdom in, in, uh, in James, first chapter of James, I think it's 3 through 5, it says, if you want wisdom, ask me, and I'll gladly give it to you. He didn't say, ask me and I'll give it to you if you're living a perfect life. Or if, you, if you're doing this, or if you're not doing that, or if you're doing that. He says, ask me, and I will give it to you. But when we're asking in faith, where's our heart? Our heart's in the right place. When we know that we're praying in God's will, we can pray boldly, can't we? Uh, Ephesians uh, 1.7. In Christ, we are set free by the blood of his death. And so we have forgiven our, he has forgiven our sins. How rich is God's grace. And the last letter is everlasting gift. The operative word, everlasting. It's not going away, guys. We can walk away and we can live a miserable existence on this planet. If we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, he says, everyone that you've given me, I have. But if we're not living the way Christ wants us to live, we're going to live in a miserable state. We're going to be buried in our sin. We won't be able to find freedom. And we're going to be miserable. And I can tell you from personal experience, I spent 46 years in misery because I, was, I knew that Jesus Christ was in my heart, but I know that I wasn't living for him. And I was continuing through those 46 years feeling guilt. But it was only through God's grace and God's love that was not stopping. It just continued to follow me wherever I went. When I ran from Washington to California, it was, grace came behind me. California to Texas, grace came behind me. Once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, the gift of grace is forever, period. Philippians 1.16 says, I am sure that God who began the good work within us will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until the task within you is finally finished on that day when Jesus Christ returns. 2 Thessalonians 2.16, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father encourage you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. God loved us, and through his grace, he gave us a hope and encouragement that continues forever. 1 Peter 9.29 For you have been chosen by God himself. Did you hear that? You have been chosen by God himself. You are priests of the king. You are holy and pure. You are God's very own. 
All this so that you may show to others how God called you out of the darkness and into this wonderful light. Once you were less than nothing, and now you are God's own. Once you know, once you knew very little about God's kindness, and now we know how great things really are. And finally, Colossians 1.6. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood. God's grace is all truth. I think about that, that all over the world, the gospel is being heard. And I, and I think about that one time when... A few of us here in this church were wondering what we can do a little extra to live sent out of Willowbend Church. And we had an opportunity that came to us to present the gospel over in Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan. Nothing that we did, nothing that we planned, nothing that we thought we could do. But God said, abide in me, I will abide in you, and we can move mountains. God loves us. That's the thing about this church that draws me to stay here, to be a part of this church, and to love the people that attend here and be a part of that goal of living sent in everything that we do. When we walk, when we talk, we need to be being ambassadors for our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that. And if you don't know who Jesus Christ is. If you're concerned that maybe you don't understand what this grace is all about, I would encourage you after service to talk to one of us. You can talk to me. You can talk to Walter over there. You can talk to, to Brown. You can talk to Lee. You can talk to, you know, Brent in the back. Talk to somebody. Ask questions, okay? 